What has been your favorite travel spot that you have gone to thus far in your life? Or at least your top three. Can't pick just one. Where in the world is Ellen? The voice that you just heard at the beginning is of Bonnie Littlejohn. Hey, Bonnie. She left me a bunch of boxes asking me all sorts of great questions, and that's the one that I get the most often. What is your favorite country? One of my answers is Albania. Awesome. Episode over. Roll credits. Just kidding. I'll explain why. In short, it's a country that totally caught me off guard. I didn't know anything about Albania, and really, it's just... I was so pleasantly surprised when I got there. Everyone was nice and kind, and they went out of their way to make me feel welcome. And I mean, like, everybody, including the old men that I asked for directions. But how they got there, how they got that nice, that's the interesting story. In the last hundred years, Albania has had a serious identity crisis. A lot of people fought to live there. First the Ottomans, then the Serbs, Then Albania got its independence in 1912. Politically, they had a monarchy, then a short-lived republic, then another monarchy, and then World War II happened. For one year, Albania was overtaken by fascist Italy, and then later the Nazis. In 1944, World War II ends, cue communism, and cue Yugoslavia. The new Albanian leader is named Hoxha, He looks like a guy from the Mediterranean in the 50s. He's tan, he's fit, he has white hair, big nose, big ears. He's jolly looking. In all the propaganda signs, he's grinning like he just won the lottery. Well, because he did. He's the leader of a whole country. The size of Massachusetts. Yeah, Albania is a small country. It's nestled against the Adriatic Sea to the west, Greece to the south, and to the north, the former Yugoslavia which at the time was led by Josef Broz Tito. A very stoic-looking man with a big brow, permanent scowl, and piercing and really intimidating eyes. Hoxha and Tito both form an alliance with Russia, led by Stalin at the time. And if you've never seen a picture of Stalin, you want a visual, he has a full mustache, salt pepper hair that's combed back. He has eyebrows that could probably sweep chimneys. And Stalin and his eyebrows ran a really tight ship. In 1948, Tito, leader of Yugoslavia, was having problems with Stalin. Hoxha accuses Tito of being too liberal and breaks ties with Tito. So now Albania and Russia are in a good relationship. And I'm sure that baklava was baked and delivered until 1960, when Stalin dies. Khrushchev takes over as Russia's new leader, and he de-Stalinizes everything. Hoja gets really pissed about this because, again, he's being way too liberal. So Hoja breaks ties with Russia. So now Hoja is in this pickle. He's pissed off Yugoslavia and Russia. He's the leader of a tiny country that's really isolated, and now there's a lot of tension. So he goes and looks for another communist big brother, and he finds China. So pausing for just a second. In 1967, the Albania dictator, Hoxha, 
declares Albania to be the world's first atheist state. Which is kind of cool. Except really cool buildings like mosques and churches and cathedrals and so on were totally destroyed. Which is not so cool. Okay, let's keep going. I should note that after this alliance in the 1960s and 70s, people were happy. The economy was doing really well. But in 1978, China opened the economy to the world. And again, Hoja didn't like this. He accused China of not being really communist, and he broke his relationship with them. Later, he realized this was a big mistake. In 1978 to 1991, as far as happiness and productivity, this is the worst period of communism that Albania had. And this is still recent enough where people can talk about it. Like my tour guide, Ghazi, who is growing up during the 80s. He compared this time to life in North Korea today. Production note, this tape is really not that great. So during the uh, 80s, when I grew up, uh, foreigners were not allowed to come here. And if they come here, they'll come with a special visa. And they can only stay with their group. And they can never leave the group on their own. They cannot leave the hotel on their own. So anyone on the outside couldn't come in, and if any Albania tried to escape, they were shot, or put in prison, or the whole family was prosecuted. Okay, propaganda. Propaganda was everywhere. As I remember, when I used to go to school, uh, first thing you would see would be like four statues of Stalin, Lenin, Marx, and Engels. Later, the schools and public places would add a fifth statue of the great Albanian leader Hoxha. Now, I thought their history lessons would be altered like Iran or North Korea, but I was surprised to find out that they learned the same things that we did, which is ancient and classical history. But we had no idea what was going on in the 20th century outside of Albania. So this is the 80s, the height of colorful leg warmers and headbands and leotards and MTV. But in Albania, TVs were scarce and only in black and white. And even if you could watch TV, you could only watch the Albanian channels. And what would these channels broadcast? So the Albanian TV station broadcasted four hours a day. In four hours was mostly propaganda, telling us that Albania is the greatest country in the world, happiest country in the world, and the best country in the world. And uh, they'll show sometimes some documentary about homeless uh, people in the U.S. and telling us, look what capitalism does to you and so on. A YouTube documentaries of homelessness in America. It's really easy to find stuff that shows how, quote-unquote, terrible capitalist America is. Like this clip. Our government, they, they, they say that they're going to help us. They make all these promises to us. When they get in office, they forget all about us and leave us out in the streets with nothing. With nothing. No support, no nothing. And it hurts. Americans have this great thing called freedom of speech. We really love taking advantage of it and voicing our opinions. But in Albania, if you said, eh, these potatoes aren't that great today. You can get in trouble just for saying something like that. Because the state provided everything, there was only enough food to keep people alive. There were no frivolous things. No colorful clothing, no differences in hairstyle, no fruit. No fruit. Actually, Ghazi remembers that when bananas were first brought into Albania, his mom didn't eat them. She didn't trust bananas. Now, of course, she loves bananas. Ghazi also remembers that in the 90s, someone found this stuff called gum. One single uh, piece of chewing gum, and we're sharing the same chewing gum, like five or six, six years <laughs> We don't do that anymore. Yeah? <laughs> in 1989, the Berlin Wall fell. 
Good evening, everyone. From the west side of the Berlin Wall at the Brandenburg Gate, I'm Tom Brokaw. Not hammers and sickles, but hammers and chisels as young people take down this wall. And communism throughout Europe and Albania fell with it. In 1992, Albania had their first election. Now, this is a big change from communism to capitalism. The, the first thing that, that they did was to, 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 to break down and to collapse the, the, the statue of, the, of Enver Roja. That's Fatian. He's a citizen of Albania, but he's also my couch surfer host. After tearing down the statue, the crowds moved to the streets. And unfortunately, they started burning everything that was once state-owned like really important factories. They still are. They still are inefficient. They, 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 haven't, uh, uh, they haven't, you know, the, the government still haven't managed to, to bring them up, up again to life. A lot of Albanians became refugees and fled trying to seek asylum in other countries. Many crossed the border into Greece, but others boarded boats and headed to Italy. Now, when I say boarded boats, I mean they were overflowing the boats. Imagine a toy boat in a bathtub and just dumping a box of Cheerios on it. That's what the pictures look like. And the Italians, well, they didn't take to these new asylum seekers well. And to be fair, they were a little overwhelmed. They had no process in place and they didn't really know what to do. So Italian authorities refused to let any Albanians get off the boats and ordered them to turn around. They flew helicopters with food and water onto the boats, but there wasn't enough and the hygiene conditions were quickly deteriorating, as where there weren't even nearly enough toilets for the 15,000 on board. Eventually, the Italians put the refugees in a stadium and offered them food and water and the equivalent of 40 US dollars if the Albanians went back home. They didn't. The Italians were getting a lot of terrible press about being heartless and cruel. And eventually, international organizations stepped in and set up new processes for the migrants. All in all, over 200,000 Albanians left their country during these two years. So meanwhile, back in Albania, 1997, capitalism is taking? Well, but this was something very, very new to us because uh, we didn't know what capitalism was and how it worked. This includes banks. No one really understood how banks worked. And when the banks started promoting this information that said... If you put some money inside with the interest rate, I mean, if, if you put one, one dollar, you will get ten out of it. And the people uh, became very interested and very intrigued about this. And uh, the politics were also approving this. It seems like a great deal, right? You put in one dollar, you get ten back in interest. Sweet. It's like a free ATM, a cash cow. So 65% of the country sells everything. They quit their job, they pour all their money into banks, knowing that they're going to be millionaires overnight. Now, wait a second, Ellen. It sounds way too good to be true. Isn't this a pyramid scheme? Yeah, sure is. Uh, the banks collapsed just like that, and the uh, money disappeared. And we still don't know even today what the hell happened. Who took the money, and where are the money? And The people were really angry, and they took to the streets again. But this time, hordes of people stormed the armories, they broke in and they armed themselves with government weapons. And every single family had a gun. In, uh, in, so it became an absolute chaos. Uh, the government collapsed and uh, one year and a half of absolute isolation. Everything stopped. Time stopped. We stopped with, with time, you know, the schools were, were closed, 
everything was closed. So we, we were just staying in our homes, uh, very, very afraid and scared to, to go out. We just went out to buy some groceries and immediately isolated ourselves again inside of the houses. Uh, some professors and some teachers kind of uh, tried a bit to, to give some education to the kids by TV, so they broadcast it on the TV. And uh, this was uh, a way uh, the kids learned something uh, regarding the school. But still, still very, very hard, very difficult. Let's fast forward to some recent years. Albania is like California, meaning they can grow anything, including 4.5 billion euros worth of marijuana, which they did. And in 2014, police stormed the city of Lazaret, which is where all this pot was being grown, and they burned it all, all 900 metric tons of it. Before this, Albania was known as the marijuana mecca. The whole Balkan region knew this, and they kept it under their hat. But Albania is trying to get in the EU, and so the rumor is that they burned it to try to appease the almighty European Union. For the record, 4.5 billion euros is roughly half of the country's GDP. So I see this as a country that's desperately trying to do the right thing, even when corruption is just waving gold in its face. In the summer of 2015, Albania had a new election that was... Civilized, very quiet, and uh, very good. So, yeah, this is a great achievement that Albania has done. There was no protest, and uh, I was pretty impressed that the candidates that lost, they accepted it, and they uh, also said for the, for the winner, you know, congratulations, and, uh, you know, be successful in your job. But it's hmm. something very, very, very good. And that normally it, it didn't normally happen. didn't happen before. <laughs> no, this is something of course, I didn't know any of this before I went to Albania. I rarely do any research before going to a country. But again, my first impressions were the people were really curious. Random old men would ask me what my favorite color was, if I had any siblings or pets, or how did I like my eggs? Not because they were nosy, but because they had never met a foreigner before. Other impressions were of the land itself, the gorgeous beaches, the Yosemite-like national parks, the food that was so flavorful and in this perfect blend of Italian and Turkish. But my main takeaway is this that Albania has gone through a lot of crap again and again and again, but somehow the people are the nicest that I've ever encountered and all they want is their country to flourish. Thanks Chris Allen for helping me edit. Thanks to Ghazi for being my tour guide and Fatian for hosting and talking to me about dark and depressing times of Albania history. If you want to know more about Albania and see pictures, check out the show notes or go to ellenlurie.com. If you have questions, like Bonnie did, that you want me to answer, leave a review on iTunes or email me at ln.lurie at yahoo.com. Easter egg time. This music that I'm going to use is like intermission or interlude music. I actually used it a long time ago, and if you've ever played Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and if you played the Pitfall level, it is the same exact music. But, because that key belongs to Activision, I slightly altered it, I played it on a bassoon, and now it belongs to me. So there you go.